This week on the mic drop, Dallas is one of only two cities in the country whose NBA and NHL teams are both still alive in the playoffs. Dave Brown of the American Airlines Center takes us behind the scenes at how the arena juggles all those games. And by the way, the Who concert. He also tells us what Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey have on their catering menu, and the answer may surprise you. Then we talk Cowboys draft, AT&T, Byron Nelson, Mavericks and Stars, Joe Trahan of Channel 8. But first, we talk about the importance of supporting our teachers and mentoring student athletes with Natalie Jenkins of the College Football Playoff Foundation. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by the Dallas Sports Commission's Executive Director, Monica Paul. Also with us, Next Level, Marcus Carr. Thank you for listening and for following the Mic Drop. It's episode 61. Got to be honoring former Cowboys guard Nate Newton for episode 61. He was an undrafted free agent out of Florida A&M. Played two years in the old USFL for the Tampa Bay Bandits. When the league folded, the Cowboys shrewdly grabbed him. And, of course, he was a mainstay on the offensive line, wearing number 61 from 1986 to 1998. Made six Pro Bowls. Only Larry Allen has made more as a Cowboys offensive lineman. Part of the dominant offensive line on those three Super Bowl teams in in the 90s of the Cowboys. But, you know, it didn't always look like Nate was a sure thing. When he arrived... His nickname was The Kitchen, and that was because he was bigger than Refrigerator Perry. But Jimmy Johnson motivated him to get in better shape, and he did, and he went on to have a great career. Of course, Monica knows that Nate's son, Trey, which was for Nate Newton III, uh, was a running back at UT. Unfortunately, his career was cut short a little bit by concussions, but uh, won a bunch of state titles at South Lake Carroll. Uh, So thinking about Nate Newton, honoring Nate Newton, for number 61 for episode 61. Monica, what's uh, how are you doing? What's going on at the Dallas Sports Commission? Oh, Sully, a busy week uh, this week. I was uh, out in Phoenix at the Big 12 uh, spring meetings. Um, Big 12 conference out there. Uh, really a goodbye and departure a celebration for Bob Bullsby and everything that he's done for that conference and uh, just overall college athletics in itself. So kind of sad to, to see him go as he prepares to... Uh, retire here later on in in July and you know looking forward to identifying who that next commissioner is going to be who that leader is as uh, we know that the NCAA world continues to evolve Uh, we've got big VEX Robotics World Championships uh, starting this week at the K Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center going through next week over 40 nations uh, taking place uh, in this competition so a lot of uh, youth um, you know competing with their robots in, in various uh, competitions uh, a lot of STEM education going on just a lot of excitement and something a little bit different for us for a sports commission standpoint so I know they had their opening ceremonies and uh, I heard I wasn't able to attend but I heard a, a lot of excitement and a lot of positive things so really looking to grow that uh, and, and I think this is especially an important year for them coming out of COVID because obviously they've had to have some virtual competitions over the last few years. So uh, the fact that 40 nations, uh, we, we kind of th- take that as a, as a big win. Um, men's Final Four bid is due tomorrow, so we're working hard on 
on that. Uh, hopefully be able to ex- uh, share some exciting news about Rugby World Cup for 2020, uh, 2031 and 2033, the men's in 2031 and women's in 2033. And I know, shocking that we are uh, talking that far out for a lot of uh, different competitions, but uh, it's very exciting to continue to keep Dallas, uh, you know, front and center on the uh, on the international sports stage as well. And then uh, there's also Sports ETA, basically the National Association uh, for Sports Commission. So a lot of different cities and a lot of different rights holders are taking part in that in Fort Worth this week. So uh, my staff has been over there working with uh, different rights holders and clients trying to secure business. And we'll be head. I'll be heading over there uh, later on this evening to take part in our, our closing party and, and celebration. So... Um, a busy week. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, May is one of our busiest months. So a lot of, a lot of different sporting events uh, taking place in May. I'm still waiting to see Monica, uh, a month that is not super busy yeah. for the Dallas sports commission. It's just, just incredible. And when the big 12 does name a new commissioner, I'm sure we will uh, work to, to uh, get him or her on the, on the mic drop. Lots happening on that front. There's some reporting that the team's coming over from the American athletic conference uh, BYU and Cincinnati and Central Florida may come over. BYU, not from the AAC, uh, but may come over uh, a, a year earlier than originally planned. So lots to follow there. As always, tons happening on the Dallas-Fort Worth sports scene. We've got the Mavericks and Suns going on. Of course, the Mavericks are down 2 nothing, And uh, on the surface of it, it looks pretty bleak. Only 7% of NBA teams who have fallen behind 2 nothing in a seven-game series have won, but one of them was the Mavericks in 2005. And Michael Finley, of course, was on that team when they took down the Rockets after losing the first two in Dallas, by the way, in that series. So Finley could tell them all about it. In Luca, we trust. Uh, as great as Chris Paul and Devin Booker are playing, I still think we have the best player in the series. And with that, there's always hope. Stars, Calgary going on. Uh, ATT, Byron Nelson right around the corner. Monica, I'm not a betting person, but. I'm going to wager that you're, you are going to be out there. Oh, uh, TPC Craig you, you know, Sully, I'd go ahead and put some money down on this one. You, you bet I will be out there. I think there's a great field and you know, my guy, uh, Mr. Kepka is going to be there. So I'll, I'll be there to support. And, uh, uh, I, th- you know, I think if the weather holds up that, uh, they're going to look at uh, some remarkable attendance again this year. Yeah, great, great field, uh, and and uh, John Drago and the team there always do a great job with the Salesmanship Club. Uh, we got the Rangers on a winning streak, four in a row as we record this on Thursday morning. Spoiler alert, we talked about Nate Newton, number 61, for episode 61. When we get to episode 68, if they keep this up, look for Joe Barlow, uh, who closed the last couple of games for the Rangers to be our honoree. Uh, uh, FC Dallas off to a good start, our WNBA Dallas Wings open their season on Saturday at home uh, in Arlington against the Atlanta dream. Good luck to our friends, uh, Alicia Gray, Mariah Jefferson, and coach Vicki Johnson, uh, all friends of the Mike drop podcast. So lots, lots percolating as always in, in, uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth. We're back in a moment to talk with Natalie Jenkins of the college football playoff foundation. But first over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. 
Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the mic drop Natalie Jenkins of the College Football Playoff Foundation, of course, based here in Dallas. She is also the vice president of the Dallas chapter of Women in Sports and Entertainment. Welcome back to the uh, mic drop, Natalie. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. I love listening to you guys and all of the stories and um Every time you talk about Dallas and the sports community that it is, it's huge. And as a somebody that grew up from Tucson, Arizona, where there wasn't a lot of pro sports, it's very exciting. So go Wings, go Mavericks, <laughs> go Rangers. So Well, Natalie, great to have you back. Um, now at the uh, CFP Foundation, uh, your main initiative is the Extra Yard for Teachers initiative, I think. Uh, this is the largest sports entity dedicated to supporting teachers, which I, I know your teachers have to love that, and they need all the support that they can get out there. Um, tell us about that and what, what this initiative is. Yes, so um, the college football playoff um, event in the national championship game has been around for, uh, we're going to be playing the ninth national championship this January in L.A. And uh, when they founded this new structure and the new playoff, um, they also launched the College Football Playoff Foundation, which is basically the 501c3 uh, charitable and community engagement arm of the playoff. Um, its intent was to uplift and um, support teachers. Um, we know and we have found and research has shown that the when it comes to student achievement, the number one factor and whether they do well and they succeed and go on um, to be successful in life is when they had a great teacher in the classroom. So um, it's really important. And when we think about Dallas and the students here in our market and that they are really our future, they're the ones that are gonna be living and working and coming to all of these sporting events and hopefully playing sports in some of these cases, um, You know, we need to support them. And so if it starts with the teacher, um, that's what we're doing. And so it's, it has grown into the largest sports organization, as you said, Monica, and um, just doing some great stuff. So I think this week, Teacher Appreciation Week, uh, what kind of activations are, are kind of happening around the, the effort? So Teacher Appreciation Week has been around obviously longer than the College Football Playoff Foundation, um, but it's a great time of year. Um, the students are tired. They're going through a lot of end of year testing and finals. Um, I think the parents are tired. The teachers are tired. So it's a great time to just give them that extra boost of appreciation and show them how much we love and appreciate the hard work. I mean, it's been a really, really, really tough couple of years, as we all know, um, and especially for teachers. And as we've come back to um, you know schools and reopened everything it's almost like all of the other issues that we didn't maybe foresee are starting to happen and those teachers are some of the first people to see that in their classrooms with their students so whether it's you know mental health and things of that nature so um, we, we really appreciate their patience um, their resilience and the fact that they just every day come and show up and are there for their students and many of them go above and beyond um, outside of the classroom. 
Yeah, you know, I think when I was growing up, you always think that, okay, when school gets out in May or June, depending on where, you know, where you live, uh, that teachers are off for three, four months, uh, and they don't have to do anything until you come back in August or September. And boy, is that not the case. That is a, a total opposite of what actually happens. So kudos to and thankful for uh, all the teachers out there. Um, you also have a campaign underway to thank black teachers as a way of increasing, I think, the pipeline of black educators. What kind of response have you gotten uh, from this initiative? So um, the College Football Playoff Foundation has always set out to um, support teachers in four different ways, and that's in the recognition of teachers, um, the providing of resources for teachers, um, giving them professional development that they need. But then all of this leads to retaining these teachers into the classroom. Um, we need great teachers. We need a better uh, workforce of more diverse teachers that reflect the student population in our classrooms. And about three years ago, we launched the Go Teach initiative. It was piloted actually here in Texas um, at the University of Texas. And um, just as a way to really recruit student athletes into teaching and coaching professions, as it turns out, the student athlete population almost um, identically matches what we need in the classrooms. And so um, they also make wonderful, wonderful teachers. They are, um, they have great leadership skills. They're resilient as well. Um, they know how to handle, uh, you know, leading a classroom and things like that. So we've been doing that. And it's been about three years that we've been doing the Go Teach initiative. Uh, we've also been working a lot with national organizations um, to recruit and retain uh, Black educators. Um, when you have uh, someone that better represents, if I'm in my classroom and I'm black or brown and my teacher is black or brown, they they know what I'm going through. They're, they're that much more engaged. They are better able to help that student in the classroom and understand where they're coming from. And it's just um, really meaningful. So, Natalie, when you were growing up in Tucson, did you have a, a teacher that you were thinking about this week that you, you still are, are grateful for? Well, I do. I always talk about my fifth grade teacher. Um, her name was Mrs. Craig. And um, it, it's funny because as with most teachers and most stories that we hear from people about their teachers, it's not the math, you know, that they taught them. It's not the, you know, the way that they taught them how to spell the words. It was the extra things that they did that made them very memorable, taught them skills that they still learn today. And my fifth grade math teacher, or excuse me, fifth grade teacher, um, she had us do a play. She had us do a Cats production. And um, it taught us a lot. It was like memorizing things and it was, you know, performing and getting over your fears. Fifth grade's an awkward year. So it was, um, it was very memorable. I will always remember it. And I think that the skills that I learned through that process um, have lasted a lifetime. Mentorship, also an important component of what you do at the CFP Foundation. Uh, how are you making connections between mentors and, and students and student athletes? So we actually have a wonderful um, partnership here. And um, as I said, we, we do a lot of there's there's four of us that work in the college football playoff foundation offices, by the way. And so the only way that we can scale our work is through great partnerships with different organizations. And um, one of the organizations that we've recently in the last two years is the Texas High School Coaches Association, also based here in Dallas. So all kinds of sports organizations here, but um, we have partnered with them to on their rock mentoring program. 
Um, there are quite a few coaches, um, or, or excuse me, I almost said Arizona. Texas um, is one of the few states where in order to coach, you do need to have a teaching certificate. And so not only are you coaching, but you're also teaching in the classroom. And many of these coaches find that after like a year or two, the workload is so overwhelming that they end up just wanting to leave the profession. And which is unfortunate because these are people that are re really strong and great personalities and ready to lead and coach. And um, this Rock Mentor program, there was, I think 50%, I don't have the stats in front of me, I know you're asking me about this, but I think there was like 50% of them um, decided to stay coaching or teaching after participating in this Rock Mentorship program. Um, so that's been very successful and we plan to do that again. You know, I mentioned you're the, the, uh, you're involved with, uh, the Dallas Fort Worth Wise chapter, women in sports and entertainment, which is, a, you know, important work to make sure that the pipeline of women, you know, we young women know that there's opportunities on the sports business side. Uh, and when we, when we had you on last year, it was in fact, it was almost a year ago to the day. Uh, I asked you, I said, who's that? It was actually a question that was lateral to me from my daughter, Amy, uh, who has been involved in WISE at a couple of her stops. And she said, ask Natalie, who's that one person in sports business that that she would lo love to have had the opportunity or to have the opportunity to, to meet? And you, we kind of stumped you and you said, we agreed that we would ask you that question when you came back. So here we are a year later, and I've been anticipating this all year. I've thought about this constantly over the last year. Who would Natalie most like to have the chance to sit down over dinner with and talk about their sports business career? So this is why I think I'm going to throw you. Um, the reason why you stumped me is, honestly, I've been thinking about this. And with podcasts like this, with digital media, with all of the wonder, like when you think of sports and the content creators and the talented people in sports, like this is where you get the stories. I can watch, you know, um, I'm trying to think what's the name of it, the like behind the scenes of um, ESPN's Last Dance, Michael Jordan, or, you know, Man in the Arena, Tom Brady, or being Serena, Serena Williams. Like these are all people that I would want to talk to and listen to, and I have access to them, which is wonderful. I think Sint Marshall was someone that I was like, I would love to talk to her. What she does is amazing. And fortunately, through WISE, <laughs> I've had three different chances to chat with right. this woman. And every time I leave, love talking to her. So yeah, she's awesome. Um, she's awesome. And she's right here. And then like Monica Paul, you know, with this mic drop podcast, I mean, you guys are bringing so many wonderful people that I can just tune in and listen to. And so that's why I think it's almost a challenge. And so when someone asked me, and when I was thinking about that, I, I know he's going to ask me this again, and <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you and tell you that I think if I really was going to sit down at a dinner and talk with someone, I would really love to hear from someone like a Beyonce or a Madonna or somebody who um, is an entrepreneur, knows how to reinvent themselves. I'm a brand and creative person by heart. I love sports, but I also love entertainment. And um, just to hear their stories, the people that they've come into contact with, um, those would be the type of people that I would love to just sit down and have a dinner with. So nothing wrong with uh, with Beyonce, and you know Monica <laughs> might be able to work that out for you because our friend from the from uh, 
the National Cheerleader Association went to high school with Beyonce. Remember that, uh, Monica? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Natalie nailed her response to you, Sully. Uh, you know, even if she, I was like, oh my gosh, I hope she's anticipating this uh, this question. But I think she nailed it. And I have no problem with uh, Beyonce because, you know, if I wanted to sit down, I have a long list, but I would be like, okay, I wanted to see some pink. I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with pink. So, I, you know, on the entertainment side, that would be great. And I think she's spot on with Sint Marshall because we just had her on a few weeks ago and she was amazing. I received so many text messages uh, later on the following week after people had a chance to listen to that episode. And they're like, oh, my God, she is just amazing. And I'm like, yes, we're so lucky to have her here within Dallas and um, be such a great ambassador. So, um well, Natalie, before we let you go, uh, give us an idea what's what we can expect expect from Wise uh, chapter this year. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you now that I'll be reaching out as we start our planning. Actually, next week for our women's Final Four and Division Two and Three championships uh, in basketball for 2023, and uh, will be the culmination of the Title IX 50th anniversary celebration that the NCAA is doing. So I'll be reaching out because I'm going to want to some support and, uh, you know, to involve all of your wise members here in the DFW area and really, uh, you know, taking that celebration to another level. But give our listeners an idea of uh, what other things may be taking shape with WISE. Yes, definitely. Well, we're excited. We're, we're one, we're excited to have some more in-person events. We've held a couple of them. Um, one of them at the Mavs Gaming Center just recently. We had all of the leaders of all of our professional sports teams um, that do the community work here in Dallas. And that was really inspiring and inspirational to hear what they're doing locally here um, with their athletes and with their teams. Um, we have four area events that we do every year. Um, we have on May 24th coming up, our financial fitness event. Um, this is one of the areas where we try to help women in the sports business manage their, their finances and their personally um, as they go into um, their career and, and build their, their future for themselves. And so we'll have a financial fitness event. We'll of course do our women of inspiration awards again. And um, we, we do various different networking and mentorship groups. Um, one of the things that will be very interesting to see, Monica, is um, WISE has opened their mentorship program to a national level. So someone who is looking to be mentored um, can be mentored by someone anywhere in the United States. And what will be interesting to me will be the demand for people elsewhere to be mentored by the women here in the Dallas market. Um, we've said it a million times how many strong people there are here. And I think that we, we may have a big big, strong, um, interest in this, in this market as well. So we're excited about that. Well, I'm, I'm a little competitive, Natalie, if you didn't know. So, uh, let's get our, uh, um, our women here to sign up to be mentors. Cause, uh, I yes. think, I think you're right. No, well, I think it'd be great. And we, we are excited about title nine as well. Um, obviously we look at my words out. We usually support like women in the sports business, um, but there are so many of us, including myself, that were student athletes. And I think many of the connections, the access to sports business, we all got through that. So I think we're going to be excited to tell our stories about how that impacted us as we moved on into our sports careers this June. 
Well, I, I know this year and going into 2023 is going to uh, hopefully be pretty special and what we're able to create. So, uh, well, Natalie, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for everything that you're doing with the College Football Playoff Foundation and your leadership and wise here in the in the Dallas area. Um, I'm sure uh, down the road we're going to look to have you back on. But uh, in the meantime, awesome. thank you for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And now over to Rachel from a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Welcome back to the mic drop to Dave Brown, the executive in charge of the American Airlines Center. He won... He ran Reunion Arena before that. One of the all-time good guys, a great storyteller. Dave, welcome back to the mic drop. Thanks for some time today. Hey, Caselli. Thanks uh, for having me today. So you've been balancing the Mavericks and the Stars since the Stars' arrival in 1993 back at Reunion. Uh, of course, in the first round of the playoffs, there was a, a situation uh, in the NBA playoffs where there was a noon start for the Mavericks against Utah and a regular season stars game a few hours after the conclusion uh, of the of the of the Mavericks game. Walk us through how that works. The fans show up for the stars game at seven thirty, and it looks like you know nothing's just as it always is. But just a few hours before, there was mayhem going on. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, fortunately, um, we have two teams that are willing to play a doubleheader during the playoffs. There, there's a lot of pageantry that goes around a playoff game, a lot of excitement. People want to get here early and stay late. So uh, for us to uh, have two games in one day is, is quite extraordinary. It's never happened um, here in the playoffs, but we were kind of forced into this by uh, the, our concert schedule. Uh, we had several major concerts, uh, Justin Bieber, Bon Jovi, uh, and th those were, and tonight we have the Who. So all these concerts were lining up in a, in a way that forced us to have the uh, doubleheader game. Um, and and it's, um, it's, it's much more involved during a, a playoff run in terms of how we convert the building because of the pageantry, special things that teams wanna do for their fans, uh, production uh, that they wanna add to the games. And then you got the TV and media production on top of that, that as you know, um, for the playoffs, you have more camera spots, you've got more more production uh, involved, so um, you know, we got through it, and and uh, it's a testament to our, our team here at the building. Um, uh, they really rallied and, and did a great job of uh, of uh, getting the, the basketball court off, and then and then preparing the ice for that night. Um, so um, it, it was it, it was unusual, but um, um, you know, fortunately. Um, the leagues cooperated, the teams cooperated, and uh, we, we didn't have to move a concert to accommodate one of our games. Now, you mentioned the Who tonight as we record this on Thursday on their, uh, on their sort of comeback tour or, or one more lap around tour. Uh, pretty exciting. I would imagine that the list of, of you know, green room, dressing room requirements for the Who is different in <laughs> 2022 than it would have been uh, in previous uh, times when you've worked with a uh, with the band, what's uh, what's how has it been preparing for uh, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey and the crew? Well, it, it, they're they're pretty typical of, of some of these bands that have been around for a while. 
um, the, uh, the, the the rider, catering rider is what is what cracks me up. Um, when you look at the catering rider from you know 1982 versus 2022, um, there was uh, quite a bit of uh, tobacco and alcohol on the on the catering rider 40 <laughs> years ago. Now it's uh, green drink and fruit juice and uh, uh, you know power bars and and um, you know setting up the, the, the rooms. Um, uh, yeah, you need a room for their chiropractor. You need a room for, uh, you know, for uh, all the little things that uh, they need to keep them on the road. So um, um, it's not just a big party backstage anymore. It's it's certainly, uh, especially really for all shows. It's it's not it's not nearly the scene backstage that, that it used to be in in, in the de- my early days in the business. So um, uh, yeah, it certainly has uh, changed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I'm disappointed or impressed uh, that that the Rockers have gotten healthier. That's a good thing. Now, back in February in a Mavericks game against Philadelphia, uh, Luca makes a I think it was a three pointer he made, and then he had notified the officials the rim is crooked, uh, which threw everything kind of into into a little bit of a spin cycle. There was a 44 minute delay, mostly because Boban couldn't uh, couldn't bend the rim rim back in place. Uh, but what was that like? I mean, the, I know you're prepared for it and you, you've got an extra basket stanchion nearby, but what are, what are you doing during that 44 minutes? And how did all that uh, uh, break down? Well, my job is is to try and keep everybody out of the way of our crew. They're, we train for this, we practice. Um, rarely is there a malfunction with these these goals, um, but this was a uh, a a a. a, 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 a malfunction that couldn't be repaired by um, just getting up there and tweaking the rim or adjusting it, we had to replace the entire goal, um, which we have, we have a, a, a spare goal. It's stored on the south end of the floor. Um, so my, my, my job is just to try and keep um, certain folks that want to get involved out of the way that, that um, might, might uh, slow the process down. So um, I'll let you imagine who that might be. Uh, so uh, we train, we, we, we train, we practice, and when we get to do it in real time, you know, in a real time and, um, you know, actual, um, you know, situation like that, uh, it's gratifying that um, our, our, our staff was able to do it so quickly. Um, and, um, um, you know, we're kind of high-fiving ourselves. And we, we, we rarely get to get involved in what goes on in the court. Um, and that, but that was one situation where, you know, we could, we, we could engage and, and, um, do our job and it was, it was on national TV. It was a national TV game. So, uh, we were on display just like the players would have been for that game. You know, Sully Dave said that so eloquently, don't you think? Uh, I, I thought he had a very good he response did. there. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, b- before I start with my questions, I do have to say that, uh, you know, Dave and Ken Wellington and their crew there do a uh, fantastic job. We, uh, over the Sports Commission, get to work with them on a somewhat regular basis when we host events like the Women's Final Four and uh, NCAA Men's Basketball and that sort of thing. And uh, we definitely couldn't do it without them, so uh, they make it easy. And I, I think they're the best of the best in the country, and I think some of our clients realize that. So m- maybe a re- uh, the reason why they keep coming back. Uh, to Dallas as well. So, Dave, um, Mavericks advanced in the playoff for the first time since uh, 2011. Uh, what are the a long playoff run for both the Mavs and the Stars um, may mean for the AAC? 
Well, it, it's, you know, it's, it's why we do what we do. And it's why the, the owners invest in these teams and, 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 and we have two owners that are completely committed to um, championships. Um, you know, the, the stars made their, their run two years ago. Hopefully, you know, the, 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 the playoff mentality will, will and, and a drive will, will, will um, carry them you know, a long way in this playoff run. Um, like you said, the Mavs have not been to the second round since 2011. And, um, you know, you, you can see that, that um, they're primed for a long run. Um, off to a kind of a tough start in Phoenix, but it's a four game. You got to win four games out of the seven. And, and um, it's going to be tough for, for Phoenix to win two more, especially with possibility of uh, three more home games here. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're primed for a long run. And, and this is why this is this is why we're all in it. It's, it's to win a championship. It's, it's to get a ring uh, like we did in 2011 and, and like we did in um, 99 with the Stars. Um, it energizes uh, our staff. It energizes our fans and uh, the city. And um, you know, it's great. It's great to have two teams in the playoffs. It just it it, it it's just the ultimate. Um, I think there's only two buildings or two cities in the country that still have two games. Us and Boston, two teams in the playoffs, Dallas and Boston. So we're an elite company, and we hope that uh, we hope it uh, is a good ride, good long ride. Well, Dave, you have a speaking of rings, you have a lot of rings, I believe. Uh, so you're wearing a different one today than what I saw you uh, a couple of evenings ago. Um, and you so I'm going to ask you to talk about that new ring you got you just received uh, a, a few weeks ago. But you do a lot in the community. Um, I think it's very important to you for, from an engagement standpoint in sports and benefiting the, the youth and the growth. You're part of, you know, the DASA board, uh, DICE. Uh, and now the new uh, chair of a Cotton Bowl Classic. So uh, tell us about that ring and uh, what your kind of role is with, uh, or your new role that you uh, just uh, received with Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I've been fortunate to um, uh, be associated with the Cotton Bowl for ever since I really got here um, to Dallas from Houston um, back in the mid 80s. Um, Got to be good friends with uh, Rick Baker and Marty McGinnis, um, who are the two uh, primary executives with the Cotton Bowl for the last 30 years. Um, and we've we've worked together on different things, different projects. I've been on the board for about 12 years. Um, and um, I was really surprised that uh, I got the opportunity um, and but it's extremely honored and uh, humbled. Um, and I assumed uh, the uh, chairman's uh, chairman board role uh, back in February for a two-year term um, and that um, you know that's the body that uh, you know governs the business of the Cotton Bowl and um, uh, it's something I'm I'm I'm, I'm um, like, like I said very honored and humbled to uh, to be a part of part of that um, part of that um, uh, acknowledgement uh, or um, the process of being named chair you Get a couple of nice little perks. One of them is a, is a nice Cotton Bowl championship ring that's made for the chairman. So um, I was I was sporting that in Phoenix at the Big 12 meetings where I saw you, Monica, uh, this week. But but I did wear my Mavs ring to the Phoenix game on Monday, um, and uh, I'll break out the uh, Stars ring this weekend. 
well, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, anything that okay, we can do to, to have him take that Aggie ring off is fantastic I, in yeah, my I eyes. Thought, <laughs> I thought you were I thought you were talking about Dave's Aggie Aggie class rings. So well, that's, yeah, uh, that's what cool. I gave him a little hard time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never not seen the Aggie ring on. So uh, I'm like, oh, if that's all it takes is to start giving him additional rings, we can make that happen. I mean, <laughs> Sports Commission <laughs> may start making some rings. I don't know if it, I don't think it's going to hold as much value as those other ones that he has. Has, but I'll do anything, anything. <laughs> so the Aggie ring's getting a little, ring's getting a little worn, so I need to give it a rest. Okay, well that's fantastic. Um, so, so Dave, uh, a lot of music acts are making up for lost time. A lot of bookings, I think, coming back, getting back on tour. Obviously, the AAC has traditionally been one of the busiest venues uh, in the country in terms of uh, music acts. Are you back to pre-pandemic levels at this point, or do you think we still have a ways to go? Uh, we're back. Uh, we, we really hit the ground uh, running uh, back in September. Our first show back on September 1st was Guns N' Roses. Uh, September, we had, I believe, six concerts, including a couple legal shows. Um, uh, so for the 10 months of our fiscal year that that um, that we we just finished, uh, our run rate is 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 as high as it's ever been for for concert bookings. Um, the pipeline for next year is robust. A um, lot a lot of big acts coming in. I think these acts want to get on the road. They need to get on the road. Um, it, it, as you know, that um, the. the Thing that drives revenue to, to uh, performers and entertainers and music business in particular is more about touring and comes from touring and the ticket sales, the t-shirt sales, um, than it does from the music uh, distribution uh, these days. So um, our industry, the, the venue industry, really does benefit uh, from, from that dynamic. Um, and um, really, I think uh, the shows understand that they have to uh, manage around COVID and uh, we just hosted John Mayer a, a, a few days ago, and and his show was was derailed uh, for a couple of weeks because of COVID. Um, that's gonna that's gonna happen, and and we we plan for um, you know makeup dates when we book these these shows. Um, hopefully, it, it it you know we we can keep the original booking, but sometimes it does it doesn't happen that way. Our Elton John um, show um, earlier this. Uh, uh, spring was delayed um, because of, because of COVID. So um, the the business is back unless something dramatic happens. I think with with the, with the uptick in um, COVID, I, I I don't see uh, I don't see it slowing down. Hey, when you were with us uh, last year, you told me the great story of the time Frank Sinatra bummed a cigarette off you backstage back in your less healthy days. You, you've <laughs> traveled the same uh, the same path as. Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, maybe I don't know, but uh, Frank Sinatra bummed a cigarette off you backstage uh, at Reunion Arena. One of the great stories we've had on the mic drop. Uh, you got another one, I, like a brush with greatness, a celebrity encounter that that uh, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, just something like that unusual or funny that happened over the years. You know, there was one. To, uh, there's one story I like to tell. Um, and um, it, it was good. back in the old reunion days. Um, we um, we were hosting uh, Garth Brooks' first made-for-TV special. Uh, this was when he was really hitting the big time. Um, and <laughs> I didn't know who Garth Brooks was. 
Um, it, I, you know, I, I, I'm still in my rock and roll uh, uh, days back then, and I've, I've come, I've come, come over, over to country since, but all I know is we had a nice booking, um, and uh, it, it was a, a full week of rehearsals, and then, and then a production, uh, kind of a, a, a mock uh, concert day uh, just made for tweaking the production, and then we had two days of live filming uh, for, with two uh, sold-out Garth Brooks shows. In those days, he didn't have the internet to go look up who Garth Brooks was and run the YouTube, you know, uh, video to figure out who he was. So uh, we're moving in the shows, and I'm sitting in my office, and and um, some fellas walking around at the, the, the bowels of, of Reunion Arena, and and I saw him walking down the hallway, and then and then um, uh, I didn't think too much about it, and then I see him walking around our office, and he walks by my door, and I'm like, hey. Uh, can I help you? And he walks in and he says, oh, I'm just checking the place out and just seeing what's going on. And I'm like, well, who let you in here? Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, I'm part of the show. And uh, I said, okay. I, I didn't ask his name and he didn't ask mine, but he, he, he said, what do you ask me what I did? And I told him, I'm the, I'm the assistant manager of the building. And, and um, um, I was a little bit annoyed that, that uh, he just kind of barged in. But he, he asked me some questions about, you know, the, the reunion arena and about the team, uh, the Mavericks. And, um, and, then he, um, then at, and, and then he said, you know, we're really happy to be here. Just thrilled that, that you know, we could do this in your building. And, and I, by that time, I'd kind of warmed up to him. He had this very infectious personality. And, um, um, of course, uh, uh, a few hours later, I go out and start watching a little of the rehearsal. And there's Garth Brooks, uh, the fellow that wandered into my office on stage. Uh, doing his deal. You never know who you're going to run into. So, Dave, thanks for coming back. We look forward to having you on, uh, again. All the best. I know you've got a lot going on between watch parties for the Mavericks, and Stars games, Mavericks games. Let's hope it's a long run. And and uh, all the best. You, you and your team, as Monica said, do a fantastic job. The building may be 21 years old, but it looks like it's about a year old with the way you guys, uh, your team, keep keep it up and maintain everything so so nicely. So, all the best for continued success. Go Mavericks, go Stars, and go Dave Brown. Oh, boy. And now with that, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Thanks, Rachel. And now it is a great pleasure to welcome back to the mic drop, Joe Trahan. He's been at Channel 8 since way back in 2003. <laughs> he doesn't look much different from when he started. He became the main sports anchor last summer when that major tectonic shift happened and Dale Hansen retired. Joe, let's get right to it. Can you uh, welcome back, first of all? Thank you. And uh, give us your take on how the Cowboys did uh, in the draft. Uh, they're, the grades that they're getting from the media seem to be a little bit mixed. What is your take? Hey, Sully, I'm, I'm a little bit different when it comes to the media and this draft grading. Some of it is uh, it's it, it's too soon. You know, uh, there are a lot of pundits who like to think they know. They really don't know. Um, let, let's go back to Travis Frederick. That, was, that move was panned when he was taken, right? And how'd he turn out? Listen, his career ended far too early. He got hurt. So I'm not going to make the blanket um, uh, decision about, you know, what, what a Tyler Smith will be. 
right? I know he's an engaging kid. He was great. He won the press conference. I think, Sully, that you could appreciate that. He absolutely yes, won that introductory press conference. He was fantastic. I'm going to give the kid a chance. The Cowboys have been really good at drafting offensive linemen. I'm going to give them a chance in that regard. I think the team had needs. They wanted to address needs. Did they reach in some areas? Yes. I will, I will grant that. But in terms of, listen, I've seen the draft pan. I've seen, you know, several people say it was awful. I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to say, listen, uh, like a lot of things in life, the jury's still out. I'm going to actually give this thing time and be rational. I know that's something that doesn't happen a whole lot in sports media nowadays, <laughs> but that that's what I'm going to do. Well, Joe, I think I see a golf hat on, uh, so I'm going to switch over and ask you about the AT&T Byron Nelson getting underway next week. Uh, can world number one Scotty Scheffler of Dallas uh, keep it going? Uh, he can, and I would like to break a little news on the Mic Drop podcast, oh, if that's okay with you please. guys. Please. Love it. Okay. Um, there will be an exclusive interview between yours truly and Scotty Scheffler that will air on WFAA uh, before the AT&T Byron Nelson next week. Okay. Just had a chance to talk with Scotty. And uh, so far, I'm the only um, a local person that he's talking to. Um, I do think he can win again. Scotty is in one of those zones. And uh, I also heard that his, his teacher, the great Randy Smith, in one of their last lessons, you know, Scotty's hitting balls for, for quite a while. And Randy was just having a conversation with one of the juniors at Royal Oaks Golf Club. And, and Scotty, you know, may not have hit the best shot. And he's like, hey, Randy, are you going to coach me a little here? What do you got? And he goes, Randy says, no, why would I? So <laughs> I think I think that Scotty is dialed in. He's where you want to be. He's taken some time off since the Masters. So I think he's going to be well-rested um, and, and, and ready to go. He played in New Orleans a couple weeks ago, but he took this week off. Um, and I think he'll be ready to go because he's got that stretch now of the Byron Nelson. And then, of course, the week after that is the PGA Championship when they go to the Southern Hills. So I think he's ready to go. And I, I do think he can win the Nelson. Absolutely. Well, Joe, I don't know how you keep it all straight with as much uh, sports that we have going on here in the DFW area. Uh, so Mav Stars playoff or both in the playoffs. Uh, what do you see there for uh, our Mavs down two games now and then you know what do you think the stars may be able to do well first of all i like to call it a fast break existence you guys and mm -hmm. i wouldn't have it any other way listen a playoff game every night where we have the attention you know of not just sports fans but maybe even some casual fans on what we do i'll take it all the time um, as I've said before about this uh, Mavs series, it's going to be difficult. Listen, the Suns didn't just win 64 games, uh, a league-high 64 games, and earn that top seed in the West by happenstance. They're well-coached. Uh, they're disciplined. Uh, great talent. Understanding of their scheme. And here's the other thing that might uh, send that team over the top, and they might win a championship. They got so close that they could feel it, they could touch it. And I feel like um, there's that vibe that they're on a mission. They understand what the mission is and how to accomplish it. And that might just mean that the Mavericks um, get ousted in this second round series. But there is a caveat to it, you guys, because I do think winning that first round series was the step that the Mavs needed to take this year. The education that Luka Doncic is getting in this second round is necessary and essential 
to the future of the Mavericks. And I do think it's only going to aid in his development, dare I say, paving the way for a future championship led by Luka Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks. So even if they lose this round, I don't see this season as a negative. I see the whole thing as a positive. He needs to soak up that experience that he's getting right now and uh, turn it into something positive moving forward. They need to get more pieces around him and make a championship run, which I believe they will. All right, let's uh, let's talk stars. Um, they are a defensive-minded team, and it is hard for them to score. And we saw that play out with power play after power play in the first uh, first game of their series against the Calgary Flames. The Flames scored in the first five minutes, and then the and then the Stars just couldn't get the biscuit in the basket. They couldn't make that play to turn the game on its ear. Outside of that top line that they have with Pavelski, Hintz, and Robertson, it, it's just tough going. Unfortunately, um, my man Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, they're just not playing the way they used to. Um, I do think that that defensive-minded hockey plays well in the Stanley Cup playoffs because they're so gritty um, and it's well-suited for the playoffs. That's how they made the run when they were in a bubble a couple of years ago. But goodness gracious, uh, they've got to find some auxiliary scores besides that front line. And, and if they don't do that, unfortunately, I think it will be a brief, a brief stint in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. Monica, I could listen to Joe break it down all day, couldn't you? Oh, without <laughs> Thanks, a doubt. Sully. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Sully. You, That's some great analysis. You, if only I liked what I did. You know, yeah, if only maybe. I enjoyed doing sports. I mean, that's, you know, I got to work on that. I love his voice yeah, no, just it's, to it's, hear his voice. I'm like, oh, that's Joe Dorihan. We're, yeah, we're, we're going to be okay. Joe is on the case. Uh, so let this is the one thing I, I'd like to add to your Mavericks analysis, which I agree with everything you said, is uh, Jason Kidd reestablished himself as an NBA head coach. There were questions about that based on his record at Milwaukee and Brooklyn. And I think that case has firmly been put to rest uh, you know, with 52 wins in the regular season, but also the bond that he formed. These players really believe in him and the system and, and happy for Jay Kidd to see how uh, how well he's done. And and uh, you're right, Monty Williams is an awesome uh, coach that he's on the opposite uh, sideline in this series. Uh, but way to go, uh, you know, just in terms of Jay Kidd's development. And I would be surprised if the Mavericks don't uh, rise up and, and win at least one of these games uh, at the AAC. Well, so I mean, so you know the NBA too, right? And and I do think that besides the instrumental development, I, I talked about Luka Doncic, um, the fact that Kid got the buy-in, and it was the buy-in on the defensive end of the court from Luka and the rest of the team. Again, all these instrumental factors leading me to the conclusion that despite what happens in this second round, it's been a big positive step. I won't say quantum leap, but it has been a huge positive step for the Mavericks um, as they try and work back towards that goal. And uh, Sully, I had a chance to, to, to talk with Jay Kidd a couple of weeks ago. We did a one-on-one, -on -one and I talked to him afterward. And the thing I love about him is, you know, he was gifted with so many talents on the basketball court, but he still put in the work to evolve and become a better player. Remember how he added the three-point shot? late to his uh, the, he added that to his arsenal late in his career it helped the Mavs win the championship right as a coach he understood and realized he had to continue to to develop given his natural skill set and that's what he's done he doesn't treat these players the same way he treated players in milwaukee 
They have accepted it. He understands that assignment. And uh, dare I say, he's pulling it off with great aplomb. And uh, I love what he's doing. I just think in, in this series, he may just be outgunned, right? Because um, I, I had this conversation with somebody in the newsroom yesterday. Um, if the Mavericks don't win the championship, I got to be, I can only be honest. You guys know I'm transparent. I want the Suns to win because I love what Monty Williams is about. Um, with Devin Booker's relationship to Kobe Bryant, how he came up that way. Chris Paul being this vested veteran who I'm thinking about going vegan with the way this guy is playing with, I mean, you know, it's incredible to watch. He goes 14 for 14 in the last game of, of his first round series. And then he does what he did to the Mavericks last night. How could you not think about going vegan like Chris Paul has done? So I, I like the team and uh, I think they can beat Giannis this year. I, I, they're my championship pick at this point. I, I hate to say that for all the Maverick fans out there, but that, that's just the way I see it. And, and, and I don't mind it. I agree. I don't think there's any team that can beat him. And, and uh, that long awaited, uh, you know, the Suns have been there since 1968 in Phoenix and they've never won a championship. It came close to, they've had a lot of good teams. The Barkley years. Players. Yep. The Barkley years. So the I think Thunder this Dan, is their year. Thunder Dan yeah, Marley. This, is, this yeah. is their year. All right, Joe. So this is the portion of the mic drop where you may remember this from last time. We ask our media guests to let us in on what are you downloading? What are you streaming? What recommendations do you have for our listeners? Could be podcast, book, music, TV, you name it. What do you got? So I've been incredibly busy with what we've got going on. However, however, I still make time for winning time. The reality series uh, that, that's based on the Los Angeles Lakers after Dr. Jerry Buss took over the team, uh, and it was uh, during Magic Johnson's rookie year, I'm enthralled. John C. Riley as Dr. Buss, with the hair and everything, it's this transformation. You do have to willingly suspend your disbelief. Let me, let me give that one caveat to it. You have to willingly suspend your disbelief. It's heightened reality. It's not a documentary, right? It's, it's a drama, right. and they're having fun, and some of it's over the top. But I cannot, if you're a sports fan, especially if you're a hoop head or an NBA fan, I cannot, uh, I cannot uh, suggest that enough. You know, a couple of weeks ago on the mic drop, I eviscerated, instead of giving a recommendation on what to download, my recommendation was do not watch uh, Winning Time because right. of what really, because of what it did to Jerry West, who's now suing HBO. But you're right. You have to suspend all, all knowledge. Uh, as Tony Faye said, you even have to suspend uh, basketballreference.com because oh, they even yes. changed the outcome of games. And yeah. So, so well, this may be the first time, Joe, we've ever disagreed. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Monica, yeah. What, what are you downloading? Oh, Sully, I watched the end of the of Ozark, and I have to say, oh, I don't want. I haven't. Sp yeah, I am. I am expending an enormous amount of energy <laughs> avoiding spoiler alerts online. So. So please, you don't are say shutting me down. Really? You're <laughs> shutting shut me down. You need to get to work. That's oh my gosh. No, no, you, no, you can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm the one who sometimes doesn't even come with a, come prepared with a download here. And now I have something to say and you're shutting me down. All right. I will give, we will yeah. converse about this next week. Marcus, what do you got? He owes so art. You have a lot of work to do between now and next Thursday because I'm on the same boat with Monica and you, you got to catch up on Ozark. That's 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 it. All right. I, I promise I will come prepared to talk Ozark uh, next week. You know, for, for me this week, I was going to say I'm so consumed with uh, the NBA and the NHL playoffs 
both of which I'm watching every night, plus baseball. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier, Joe, about the Rangers winning four in a row. Uh, but I haven't watched a lot, but my, my download this week is a, is a podcast uh, called Recode with Peter Kafka and, the, you know, tech and media. Mostly it's a media podcast, really fantastic. And the episode this week uh, is with Trip Mickle of now the New York Times. Who covered He covered Apple for the Wall Street Journal for a number of years. And Trip used to be with the Sports Business Journal and the NHL was his beat. And I got to know him then. And uh, really good guy and a great reporter. And uh, But Peter Kafka, the Recode podcast, the current episode on Apple, really, really interesting. Uh, so, Joe, uh, you made a prediction on the Mavericks. What do you think uh, uh, is in store for the uh, for the Stars? Listen, I hate to be Debbie Downer, um, but uh, it, it's going to be really difficult for them to do it. Uh, it's been their bugaboo all season long, trying to get going on the offensive end, and God, it couldn't have been a worse start for them with the way that okay. with the way that game unfolded. Um, listen, Rick Bonus knows how to push buttons. Um, and he doesn't mind doing so in some over-the-top ways. So I'm curious what Rick has in store because, you know, if this doesn't work out for the Stars, I, I don't know how much longer Rick will be there. I don't know how much longer he'll want to right. do it, they, right? We, uh, Jim, contract notwithstanding. Yeah, Jim so. Mill at Stars GM is a friend of the mic drop, and we have a lot of faith in him, and it, it will be a big offseason. Calgary is really good, and it's another tall order. So, Joe, before we let you go, you broke some news here on the mic drop, which we loved. Uh, with your interview with Scotty Scheffler. I'm going to break some news, too, some Joe Trahan news. Uh, and this has not been released to the public, so this truly is a mic drop uh, news break, is on, on June 6th, which is a Monday evening, at the George W. Bush Presidential Center, Joe Trahan is going to interview Troy Aikman, and the conversation is going to primarily focus on fatherhood. You know, it's a little bit of a Father's Day precursor. Joe is a dad as well, fatherhood. Uh, community, both Henrietta and Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, what that means to Troy. Now, of course, Joe's going to ask him some football questions. Joe's going to ask him about going from Fox Sports to ESPN. But you're going to have a chance to hear Troy Aikman maybe in a little bit of a different light uh, than you've seen him before. Tickets are not on sale yet, but but keep an eye on uh, – they'll be going on sale soon. Keep an eye on – on uh, Bush Center social media and bushcenter.org for news to when you can get your tickets for June 6th, uh, Monday night, to hear Joe Trahan interview Troy Aikman. Everybody at the Bush Center is really looking forward to that, Joe, and I know they are grateful for you doing that. Sully, I can't wait because, you know, the, the thing that Troy and I share in common, we're, we're both girl dads, right? So I can't wait because we've never talked about that publicly. It just that forum hasn't presented itself until now. So I'm really excited about that. You know how plugged in I am to the community and how much it means to me to do that work. So hearing Troy talk about it, I, I just can't wait to do it. Um, Troy has been doing so many great things in our community for so long. Um, I was just at the Children Children's Cancer Fund Gala, just one of the many things that he does so well. And I can't wait to, to, to talk more about those things. And of course, we'll talk about some football too. You can't forget the football, but I can't wait you know, to have people hear Troy talk in that light, because when we're off camera and we talk about those kinds of things, it's really special. And being able to share that publicly is going to be, I think it's going to be fantastic. Really cool. What a show, Monica. This was a lot of fun. So on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Natalie Jenkins, Dave Brown, and Joe Trahan. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Daniel Whitelaw-Piscura, Angela Lang, Marcus Carr, Reeves Edens, all of Tony Faye PR. 
Thanks to Ren over at Vocal Media. Of course, our showrunner, visionary, and inspirational leader, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>